Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowder from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A reading from Numbers. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look upon it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. A gospel reading from the third chapter of John. Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and the people loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light, and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Grace and peace to you, my friends, in faith. So on March 4th, 2020, remember that way back then, I got a phone call from a familiar voice. Joe Mazin, he's a reporter from KSTP Channel 5 News. He gave me a call. He wanted to know what Faith Lutheran was going to do because of what was, you know, kind of the buzz around the world with this thing called the coronavirus. Now, keep in mind, this was about two weeks before we started entering grocery stores to see empty shelves and everyone had made that pivot to working or going to school from home. We were aware of this virus, but I think we were still pretty optimistic that it wouldn't really affect us or change our lives that much. We had no idea that a shutdown was coming, and we didn't have any massive outbreaks in our state. So even though we knew it was dangerous, it hadn't touched our lives yet. I think Joe Mason had a hunch something was about to go down. So he wanted to see what we, Faith Lutheran, were doing to prepare. And here is what we had to say. Twin Cities houses of worship are taking precautions because of the coronavirus. Safety steps like using more hand sanitizer and no handshaking are in place. Joe Mason visited a church in Forest Lake. The music 
the candles, the prayers. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Midday worship service here at Faith Lutheran Church in Forest Lake seemed in one word, typical. But then... Listen to the pastor. Certainly wash your hands after worship, and also uh, there is hand sanitizer available at the uh, welcome desk as you are uh, doing that. Watch member after member after member load up on hand sanitizer. I think it's something that we should be concerned about. And you quickly discover this church service wasn't typical because of one word coronavirus. People are cautious about it. People are taking extra precautions. Since the outbreak, as we begin our worship today, Pastor John Clawwitter says they've added extra hand sanitizer and are telling members you don't have to shake hands. It's okay to not shake hands. It's okay. People are going to understand. And look at this. They live stream church services here online and since the outbreak, Pastor says more people are staying home and viewership is on the rise. We obviously noticed there's an uptick in people who are watching the live stream. After church, Members sat down for lunch, a perfect time for us to ask just how they feel about the coronavirus. I'm concerned, but I don't think that we should um, uh, just fall apart. I don't think we should run into a big panic idea right now. We're still going about our, our daily activities pretty normally, but we're just conscious of it. I think that's about all we can do. The Archdiocese of St. Paul in Minneapolis sent a letter to clergy today telling them to consider stopping handshaking during the sign of the peace and holding hands during the Our Father. In Forest Lake, Joe Mason, 5 Eyewitness News. My, how times have changed. What a difference a year makes. And I think about what did we do? What happened next? How did we respond? Because when everything shut down... We all had to kind of go into this education period. There were a lot of different things that we had to learn. How are we going to go forward? So we had to start learning to listen to the scientists and the epidemiologists and learn how to pronounce the word epidemiologist. We had to try to make these decisions that would be sacrificial, but we also knew it would be better for the whole. And there was an abundance of challenges that, that came along to actually do this. And many times there was new information changing the way we moved forward and decisions that we made. We all know someone who had coronavirus. Most of us know someone who was hospitalized or considered a long hauler. And some of us certainly have been touched by a loved one who has died because of this mysterious illness, which has found its way to every corner of the globe. It has affected all of us. Yet in the midst of this pandemic, we've also had other things thrown at us that have kind of added to the tension and added to all of the angst and all of the things that we've been dealing with as a country. Think about the death of George Floyd. Whether we were ready for it or not, a race conversation was ignited. And now as his trial of of his accuser is set to begin, we continue to wait and to watch, knowing that all eyes will be cast upon what that jury decides. But the other thing is racism through this pandemic, we have learned, goes well beyond just the African-American community in our country. Asian-Americans have been suffering. Because of the origins of this pandemic, Asian-Americans have been bullied. For example, this woman was accused of spitting on an Asian man as she faces hate crime uh, charges against her. Or the basketball player, Jeremy Lin, who was playing in a D-League game, and after the game, told the reporters something had happened, that he wouldn't sit silently and just let this happen anymore, that he needed to name that he had been called coronavirus, 
by one of the opposing players. And he wasn't going to just sit silently anymore. He said, something is changing in this generation of Asian Americans. We're tired of being told that we don't experience racism. We are tired of being told to keep our heads down and to not make trouble. He said, I've always said that in the long run, it can't only be Asians caring about Asian issues or African Americans caring about African American issues. Because if we as minorities want the majority to understand what it's like to live in a minority experience, to sympathize and to change, we as the minorities also have to collaborate, to unify, and use our voices and stand up for each other. There has to be solidarity on that front. And then who is he speaking to? Well, here as the majority, here I am, I'm the pastor of this church, a majority white congregation in Forest Lake, Minnesota. And I think about we are being tasked with providing support and solidarity to anyone like a Jeremy Lin or to like this, to anybody in the Asian American community who's been bullied, to say that we will help stand up to them, to anyone who's experiencing oppression. Because what do we have? Well, we have power and we have influence and we can use that to help to improve the lives of our neighbor. This is truly our calling as Christians. This is what we've been tasked with. This is not a political issue. This is us living out our faith. And so we need to acknowledge that, yes, there are other cultures and other groups out there who have a different lived experience than ourselves. And how do we walk alongside them? Not that their experience is good or better or different or bad, but it's different. And how do we walk alongside each other? And I know that through it all, I have a lot to learn. And so as we continue this series throughout Lent, talking about different ways to address issues through community organization, we spent the last weeks talking about direct service. We talked about how our money and how, about how our stuff, our things that we are able to give, can provide direct service to help someone. And no matter what those issues are, whether that's uh, homelessness or food insecurity or wherever we're seeing an opportunity uh, to be able to partner with someone— We've noticed that that is one of the easiest entry points to be able to provide some, some assistance. But when we take that next step, and as we go towards education, there are some bigger things that we can do. There are some things that we can do that are going to raise our own awareness. Because when it comes to community organiz- organization, no matter what social issue it is that we're passionate about, it's essential to have more information. And so this week, one of the things that I did, is, is especially as, as, uh, as the leader of this congregation, knowing that there are ways that I need to grow, there are ways that I need to be able to develop, I took something called the IDI, the Intercultural Development Inventory. It's not a test, it's an assessment where you answer these questions and it, it spits back some results based off of where each of us would fit on a continuum. And so knowing that, that there's not a good, bad, or, or anything on that continuum, but that it shows you how you process and respond to different things, this is what the IDI is all about. The IDI provides valuable information about our own mindset, our own skill set towards cultural differences and commonality. And we can gain valuable insights about how we engage cultural differences by reflecting on both past and current cross-cultural events or situations that we have been or currently are involved in. Our IDI profiles results can actually help us increase our own cultural self-understanding as well as other understanding around such differences and commonalities. It's basically, how do we see the world and is our perception of ourselves in alignment with our actual process of how we uh, interact with different cultures. Now, one of the biggest takeaways for me as I took this, and I took it about 10 years ago, and I noticed that my results had shifted. Like, I had, I've, I've made some changes in how I, how I interact cross-culturally. But one of the things I noticed that was that cross-cultural uh, relationships are not just between myself and other 
other countries or people from a different country. It's actually across the spectrum of religious differences, of political differences, of economic spectrum, and realizing that these are the different the different other in our lives, right? That when we're in, in, interacting with other people, that these are different groups that we've come into contact with. And so as I was uh, going over my results, it was an eye-opening experience for me to see that as a pastor at this congregation, where did I lean into some of my own identity? Where did I lean into some of my own gifts? And it showed me that one of the things that I tend to do is that I want to bridge some divides. So if I notice that there are people on different ends of a spectrum, I want to try to bring them towards a commonality. And that was one of the things that really popped out about this. But my homework, if you could call it that, was to actually take a little bit of a deeper dive to understand below the surface what are the things going on. Why are people who have such a strong opinion over here versus someone over on this side, why do they have such strong opinions and what underneath the surface leads to their identity and why am I trying to always bring that identity to a cultural midpoint where we can all agree? So, literally, there's something to be said about the iceberg, okay? Because the IDI actually measures the the degree of uh, subjective cultural competence because there's a lot of stuff above the surface that we can see, right? This is is the art, the music, the literature, the drama, the dance, the games, the the cooking, the dress. This is what we can see of of ourselves, right? Like, so if we're looking at different cultural subgroups, like, these are the things that are obvious, they're on the surface. But below the surface, these are things that we don't necessarily know about just looking at somebody or just about, you know, this goes beyond our stereotypes, this deeper dive into, into someone's culture. It's the, their child rearing. It's their leadership skills. It's, it's being able to understand that people have different emotions depending on the culture that they are from and how that they are raised. And so if we want to be able to adapt to different cultures and adapt to different differences and try to understand, this can't just be something that we we can look and make a snap judgment. It's going to involve relationship. It's going to involve actually doing a little bit of education and understanding that people are are, uh, coming from different backgrounds and there's a lot underneath the surface that we don't just get without that relationship. And so how do we get that education? Well, certainly when we think about how we get educated on a on a particular subject, there are some resources that come to mind, right? You could read a book about it. You could watch a movie or a documentary. You could take a class, and certainly we know that in our schools that the students are learning different things through their coursework. All of that stuff comes to mind, but none of those things replace some of the most important ways for us to really learn about different cultures uh, within our society, and that's through our own personal interactions. That's learning from different voices that you might hear in a sermon, honestly. It's being able to to understand different things that, as the church, we are uh, providing information about, and this could, again, this can be across the spectrum of different voices and being able to bring them forward so that we can hear. Like Jeremy Lin earlier in my message today, a voice that we might not necessarily hear or think about, but how does that voice challenge us to look at the world a little bit differently? Perhaps it's uh, being able to, to travel or being able to engage in conversation with someone that you normally wouldn't or someone who's typically got a different mindset or a different outlook on life than ourselves. And how do we learn from other people in that kind of a context? So there's an invitation for you because I think that as a congregation, it'd be great to see how many people in our church, if, if we had a bunch of people take this IDI, what would it look like for our congregation? What would our context look like if we could see where everyone kind of uh, after taking this assessment, how do, how do people, uh, their results come back? So if you'd like to take this IDI, 
we'll have some information out in the email this week and reach out. Deacon Nina will be the one kind of gathering folks together and at some point in the near future we'll have people take the assessment and we'll have some sort of a feedback so that we can understand and take it a little bit deeper, go, on, go under and do a deep dive to understand what your assessment is saying about you and your understanding of the different cultures around yourself. Because I think there's a great educational opportunity here. You know, this isn't necessarily to say that one opinion is good or the other opinion is bad. And here it is, me trying to find that commonality again, right? But this is about how we see the world and then how do we grow and how do we move further and further towards acceptance and adapting towards different cultures in our, in our midst. Because that's really what this story that we heard from John's gospel was all about today. You see, I know we tend to gravitate towards this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Probably rolls off your tongue, right? You've heard this verse. But the story that happens before this, the story that leads to Jesus making this statement is one that's really important because it's a story about a man named Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus is a man of great power, great wealth, great uh, great status within culture. He's one of the Pharisees. He's one of the leaders of the Pharisees. And so Nicodemus has a lot of power within the system, yet he's not going to just accept what his peers have said about Jesus. He's not going to just accept that this guy is bad and we're not going to listen to him. Nicodemus realizes that he wants to learn more. He wants an education. And so at night, when he's not going to be seen by his peers going to visit Jesus, he goes and talks to him. And, and Nicodemus comes with questions. He comes with an open mind. He wants to learn. And so instead of relying on some of those talking points and, and believing stereotypes about who this Jesus is, he seeks out relationship. He seeks out this conversation. And he seeks out the truth that only Jesus Christ has to offer. And what he receives is an answer that far surpasses anything he would, he would have expected. He realizes that this relationship Jesus is inviting into him into is all about the kingdom of God. And it, it blows his mind because this isn't anything that he's been taught before, anything he's been able to believe before. And he realizes that Jesus has not come into this world to destroy, but Jesus comes into this world to bring life. Indeed, God didn't send the, world, send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Here's the thing that Nicodemus learns. Jesus is not a menace to society. He's a mender of God's kingdom. Jesus brings new life. Jesus brings hope-filled life. And Jesus brings eternal life. And these are all things that if he would have just stayed back and rested upon his stereotypes, he would have never, ever been able to understand. Jesus doesn't come into this world just for the chosen, for the wealthy, for the righteous. Jesus comes into the world across all races, across all beliefs, across all genders and economic statuses, Jesus enters our world as a human for our world. You see, when it comes to Nicodemus, Jesus takes the time to educate him on his purpose, to explain the kingdom of God. And because of it, Nicodemus is changed. Nicodemus is changed so significantly that when Jesus dies on the cross, it's Nicodemus with Joseph of Arimathea who shows up and transports him to his final resting place, or so he thinks. It's, it's Nicodemus who prepares the spices, who's got all of the stuff to be able to help in the embalming. Nicodemus has been changed. He sees Jesus in a way that his peers have not. 
And next week, we'll talk about what those next steps are. That next step towards advocacy. How Jesus uses his voice to be able to confront power and how we can do the same thing. But until then, I've got a task for you. What are you going to do this week to be able to learn from someone who's got a different cultural viewpoint than yourself? How will you listen? How will you engage? How will you understand the world differently by just being open to those types of conversations? To be open to the education that you and me can be exposed to. To see that God loved the world. And that God sent Jesus into the world for more than just you and me. But also for them and for us. And what a beautiful, amazing gift of grace that is. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.